Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 308 being recorded on Thursday, August 3rd, 2023. That's a lot of threes. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg. And as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Well, Jason, today is one of my four favorite days of the year. It is Amazon Earnings Day. I was going to guess it's the fourth Halloween. Okay. <laughs> nope, good guess. Uh, and today was a real doozy, so we have a lot to talk about. Um, and, of course, it wouldn't be a Jason and Scott show without... Amazon News. Your margin is their opportunity. That's right. Sometimes I hear from listeners, uh, why do you guys spend so much time talking about Amazon? Well, uh, my rationale is, uh, A, it's one of my favorite subjects. Then B, uh, not only is Amazon the biggest retailer, but it represents over half of e-commerce. And for our listeners, uh, I think their data is pretty much the standard compared to even anything like Comscore or Adobe, just by definition of them having so much data um, that it is the the basically the the best source for what's going on. Um, and then given our macro environment where uh, yeah, at the tail end of the last show, you were talking about how it's setting up for kind of a bad holiday. So we're heading into this. It's a critical quarter. Um, and for me, Q2, seeing what Amazon's done really sets us up for the back half of the year and especially holiday. So they're kind of a canary in the coal mine. And right now there's all this confusing data coming about the consumer. You know, you see things that sentiment is down. Travel is starting to tip over. Housing is slowing. So there's some negative, but yet credit card spend is going pretty well. Um, and so this is probably the best read we're going to get on the consumer heading into holiday. So I think of it as kind of foreshadowing the whole industry. That's why we like to spend a lot of time on it. So the other thing I'll point out is uh, it's been kind of a rough period for Amazon the last probably six quarters. They've, they've, you know, things have slowed down post-COVID. They've struggled. They've done some layoffs. Um, but having watched Amazon, if we zoom, zoom out, um, having followed them since 97, they're really good at reading the room. And if the market and the externalities are saying you're free to invest, they will invest like crazy. And, you know, and, and by saying that, I mean, they'll focus on revenue growth and implementing infrastructure. But then when the macro turns negative and they can move to harvest pretty quickly. Um, so a lot of that kind of goes as goes Wall Street. So Wall Street will love them and, and give them a lot of rope and they'll invest, invest, invest. And then Wall Street starts to worry. They're like, oh, my gosh, this is scary. You're spending so much. Things are doing this. Uh, and then um, they will turn very quickly and can then get into harvest mode and produce results. Um, that's really a big theme for this quarter. Um, so that's part of the setup. The other part of the setup is we have some e-commerce data coming in this. And what does that, what do those tea leaves tell us before we jump into Amazon? 
Yeah. Um, so we have data from the U.S. Department of Commerce through June, and it is a really complicated story. Uh, so the, the top line is a little bit of a, 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 a worrisome sign. So year to date, January through June of this year, retail sales are 1.9% higher than they were during that same period last year. Uh, so kind of to put that in perspective, in the 10 years leading up to COVID, we averaged retail growth of 4% a year. So th- so far this year, the growth is less than half of the industry average. And then the last three years of growth, uh, the last three years of co- uh, post-COVID were the biggest three years of retail growth in the history of retail. So we had these three monster years. And now for the first time, we have a six-month period that's well off the average. Um, and uh, uh, Q2 was worse uh, than Q1. Uh, now, you know, people always say, well, what about inflation in these numbers? Uh, if you adjust all these numbers back to 2019 dollars uh, to sort of take inflation out of it, uh, retail sales this year are actually down 2.8 percent from last year. So so all of the meager growth we have this year is really due to ex- uh, unusually high inflation. Now, big caveat there. uh the inflation news is actually pretty solid. Um, in, uh, inflation in June is only up 3% year over year, which, you know, before all this inflation stuff started, the Fed was always trying to keep inflation between 22 and 3%. So inflation down to 3%, if it, if it stays down there, uh, is, is pretty encouraging. Um, but from a retail standpoint, you have this weird thing. You have the macroeconomics getting better. There's a lot more economists saying we're not going into a recession. We somehow managed a soft landing. Uh, you've got the inflation numbers coming way down. Uh, all the wages and employment numbers have, have continued to be robust. So you have all these favorable macroeconomics, and now the consumer has stopped spending. And you hear every retailer talking about how consumers are trading down to cheaper goods. They're buying more needs and less wants and all, all of these sorts of things. Um, and so if you, if you kind of look at the retail industry average, um, there are two retailers that have hit, uh, consistently been outperforming the industry average. And those two retailers are Walmart and Amazon, which are the two largest retailers in the United States of America. Um, there's some controversy over who's actually bigger, but, uh, we'll leave that for another show. Uh, if, the bottom line is if the t- two biggest retailers in the market are both outperforming the industry average, uh, that's a bad sign for the rest of the retailers. Someone's um, losing share. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and I would note, we don't talk about it a ton on this show, but then there's two Chinese companies that are dramatically grabbing share really quick. Um, so Xi'an and, and Timu. Um, so, you know, outside of those four, uh, it, it's not looking super optimistic for for retail. So I was super curious to hear not only how Amazon did, but what their what guidance they gave for Q3 and what they were seeing in terms of uh, consumer spending. Because we do have this weird paradox: macroeconomics getting better, uh, but retail spending getting worse. Um, so that being said, uh, like what what uh, did Amazon report, Scott? Well, it's an interesting quarter because, again, for like the last six quarters or 18 months, it's been kind of, um, you know, using Wall Street language, Wall Street always comes in with expectations. And then you either meet those, beat them, or miss them. 
and or sometimes they'll call it in line if you meet their expectations. Well, this was this was uh, pretty much an unprecedented four way beat um, with a raise, um, and that's that last part is what about next quarter? Um, so. The current quarter is, did you, how did you do? And then did you, for for future revenue uh, expectations, did you stay in line with those or did you raise them? So this was kind of like one of the best quarters you can have using all the Wall Street language. Um, And I say a four-way beat. So uh, number one is earnings per share. Wall Street was expecting 35 cents and they handily beat that at 65 cents. So that's the first one. The second one's revenue. Revenue came in at 134 billion versus 131, a clear beat. AWS revenue, and there was a lot of worry around this because um, Microsoft uh, was really showing their, first of all, Microsoft had to break out Azure separately for the first time. And it used to be all clumped in together in this kind of cloud bucket where they could kind of have office there hiding what was going on with Azure. So now that Microsoft's had to carve out Azure, um, it has been slowing down very dramatically. So everyone was very worried about that. AWS beat the expectation was 21.8 and they came in at 22. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the growth things and some other color there. Third party exceeded expectation. The only thing that was really kind of in line is online store revenue, but the margin improvements, if you kind of go back to that EPS were so dramatic that everyone was fine with that one being, I think it was like, you know, 0.2% miss or something. It was like basically in line. Um, so that was the only piece that didn't beat and everyone was fine with that because all these other things really swamped the the outcome there. Uh, and then to cap that off, the midpoint, um, we'll talk about it, but this represents about 11% growth all in for this quarter. And then next quarter, they guide for growth for 11 to 13. So they're basically saying, hey, we beat your expectations this quarter and things are accelerating into Q3. Um, so, uh, and then they also, uh, on the bottom line, they guided up, uh, for next quarter as well. So that, that went really, really well. Um, and that, that was, uh, pretty amazing. So, uh, let's peel the onion and see what we can learn. You want to take us through the retail business? Yeah, for sure. Um, so the, the retail business globally grew 11%. Um, so that uh, last year this uh, in this quarter, they grew 9%. So accelerated growth. Um, North America grew 11% uh, cent, uh, and international grew 10%. Um, international uh, really struggled this time last year. They actually had a 12% decline last year. Um, and so, so in general, pretty robust growth. Now, these are their revenue numbers, which to remind everyone, Amazon's a marketplace. Um, they don't report all, all of their sales as, as revenue. They only report one P sales and then the, the fees they earn on three P sales. So it's not, it's not a perfect, uh, a now, a match to, to the sort of, uh, industry retail data I said, but it's, it's a close approximation. So on average, retail grows 4% a quarter. The last two quarters, retail's grown, uh, you know, uh, less than half of that. And Amazon comes in at, uh, 10 or 11% growth. Um, so that's, you know, a pretty healthy outperforming the, the industry averages and, you know, essentially taking share from the rest of retail. Um, now often just a side note. Uh, obviously the vast majority of Amazon sales are online. Traditionally online grows much faster than brick and mortar. Um, so historically we would see 10 to 15% online sales. 
but post pandemic, that's actually slowed down quite a bit. And so online sales this year are probably averaging around seven and a half or eight percent. Um, and so Amazon's growth, not only did it beat brick and mortar, it actually beat the industry average even for e-commerce. Um, so that, that is, uh, uh, very robust. Um, they spent a lot of time both in their, their press release and also in their earnings call, um, talking about, uh, their focus on efficiencies. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the, all the, the work and efficiencies, uh, reorganization of their supply chain, uh, you know, changing of labor models, um, that those, all those efficiencies are, we're starting to bear fruit because, uh, the, uh, the profitability, um, was, uh, uh, significantly up for, uh, for the retail business for this segment. Um, so I want to say, no, uh, for North America, uh, they ended up earning like 3.2 billion in earned income. Um, so, you know, some quarters they don't earn any. So, so, uh, 3.2 is, is a, a healthy number, um, for their growth. Uh, and for people that aren't following it, part of these efficiencies is a super interesting story. Essentially what Amazon has decided and what they now seem to have successfully executed is that having a national supply, uh, chain and a national um, order fulfillment network is not the right way to structure themselves. So in the old world, they had one order fulfillment system that covered the whole nation. Uh, you could really want some uh, delicious uh, green tea Oreos, you know, that are only in the warehouse in California and you order those and Amazon figures out how to get those Oreos to you in two days from the warehouse in California. Um, and increasingly what Amazon said is, you know, uh, customers really want speed. We have to get faster. In most cases, we're promising next day or same day. Two days is, is uh, you know, a promise from 10 years ago. Um, and in order to do that efficiency efficiently and save money, we have to have those green tea Oreos uh, really close to Scott to start things off. And so we're going to drop a bomb on our own industry leading um, fulfillment network. And we're going to redesign it as a set of regional networks so that the vast majority of good Scott orders come from a much shorter distance. And so one of the the impressive results of that effort to date is this quarter, Amazon said that like despite all this growth um, and the increase in order volumes, uh, that they actually drove 20% less miles than they did this quarter last year. Um, so they're they're very successfully getting the goods closer to the consumer. And to put you put it in perspective how many goods that is uh, they, they announced that they now have over 300 million items that are eligible for Amazon Prime and over 50% of those items get delivered same day or next day. Yeah, I thought that part was pretty amazing. Um, and what they've done is they've split the country into eight regions. They, they actually were pretty on the call, they got into some pretty interesting detail on this. Um, and I thought that was interesting because they're usually pretty, pretty tight lipped on this. Um, so then, you know, so they, they've taken their national optimization you talked about and they're almost running each region as its own country. So they're, they're doing more of the load balancing inside of there. Um, so in addition to the 20% fewer miles, they're touching the packages 20% less. Um, and you now get 76% of the units are in the union are in the region. Um, and just uh, a while ago, it was 66%. And then what he's, what he's basically saying is 
you know, that's a big efficiency. And then within there, another efficiency is they're leveraging these same day warehouses. So things used to go from these really big distribution centers to the uh, smaller ones. And now they're going to these much smaller ones and they can now inject things in there. Um, and he said, those are streamlined and they can get an item from the order coming in to delivery in as little as 11 minutes. Uh, and those are even closer to the consumer. So the, it's almost, he didn't say this, but I kind of envisioned those eight regions are split up into eight more regions almost with these tiny, you know, with the endpoints being some of these end ones. And he basically said, this is working so well, we're going to double uh, the number of these um, small last mile fulfillment centers. So, you know, that was, uh, I don't think Wall Street heard that because that's, you know, whenever Amazon says double, that's a big number because, they have like 200-ish of the big fulfillment centers. I don't know how many small ones are, but Amazon doubling anything is a non-trivial number of uh, dollars they're going to invest. Um, he didn't say over what time period. Um, you know, one, you know, when, or during COVID, they said they would double, and they went from like 120 fulfillment centers to, to they actually literally doubled those uh, pretty quickly. So it's going to be interesting to watch that build out. I haven't seen one of those. Um, I've seen the back. So I haven't been in one. I've been on the back end of one uh, to watch the flex drivers. That's kind of what they used to do for flex drivers. So it'll be interesting to see how they scale that. And I would like to go kind of visit one. I don't, I don't know if any of the DSPs, which spend a lot of time with DSPs here at Spiffy. So I've gotten to see this side of the world a lot more than I did in the software e-commerce world. Um, and they're at the big fulfillment centers at these delivery stations that are kind of bolted on the side. Uh, I haven't seen how they pick up from some of these, but I'm, I'm Yep. Make, and making it a mission for to learn more the about this. DSPs are the third-party delivery services that Amazon yeah. uses. Yeah, delivery service professionals. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. Um, yeah, and tell- a reminder for the the big fulfillment centers, Amazon actually offers tours. You can sign up and get a tour. I don't think they. I haven't seen them ever offer tours on any of the other formats. Um, but there are some bootleg videos out on the internet. If you know where to look, I'll see if I can find some for the show notes. Um, that, that, uh, show like, uh, like one of the general contractors that builds these facilities, put some videos on their website of, of the finished facilities before they open. Yeah. So that's kind of the retail business. Uh, let's mix it up. Usually I cover third party, but let's kick it over to you to, to run through that. Yeah. Are, are you okay with me talking about marketplaces? I feel like as a hall of fame member, you, you, um, this is like when Messe let the other guy take the penalty kick. I'm an auto guy now. I yeah. don't know what this, what is a three P <laughs> three. What are the three P's? Yeah. Uh, so another milestone for Amazon's marketplace uh, that they hit a new high for the percentage of their total sales that came from third parties. So um, the mix is now 60% third parties, 40% first party. Um, so that that's continuing along longstanding trend. The third party is continuing to grow and, and being the most important part of the, the assortment mix at Amazon. Um, I don't have the number in front of me, but my memory is, uh, that the, the growth in 3P services was actually faster than the retail growth as well. So sort of implies that the volume went up, but also Amazon's doing even better at collecting more fees from all those 3P providers. Um, so the, the marketplace continues to be robust and important. Uh, 
You know, one that always gets a lot of the energy on these earnings calls is AWS. And there's kind of an interesting story going, going on. So, so first of all, um, the, the Wall Street expectation was for AWS to grow 8% this quarter. And they announced that AWS grew 12%. So massive beat from that perspective. Um, and so then you go, well, is 12% good growth? Um, well, a year ago, they were growing at like 33%. So 12% doesn't sound all that impressive compared to 33%. Um, but what, what you have to remember is that the rate of growth has been significantly swelling down quarter after quarter. And last quarter, Q1, uh, that growth was 16%. And when they announced that growth was 16%, uh, they really put dosed a bunch of cold water on investors because they said, and we already have a month of data since the end of that quarter, and it slowed down more since then. So I think that really is what spooked uh, the the investor community, and that's where that sort of eight percent expectation came from. Um, so twelve percent growth is kind of an indication that the the growth rate, although you know slowing down, is stabilizing. Um, and I think they're, uh, they, they don't give guidance on these individual segments. Um, but they, they made a nod to the fact that we're probably not going to see the growth rate slow down dramatically from this 12%. Uh, they do pay a lot of lip service to the fact that it's a very big number and you can't grow in double digits anymore by just, uh, getting organic growth that like in order to, continue to grow at double digits, you need to acquire a lot of net new customers and you need to uh, acquire a lot of net new workloads. Um, but the good news is, you know, they, they have a very robust narrative about why there are a lot of customers and additional workloads to acquire. And spoiler alert, you know, a huge amount of them are related to uh, uh, generative AI and, and large language models where um, uh, Amazon's investing a lot and thinks a lot of the future is going to be in these these three hosted layers of AI services that companies use to build AI solutions on top of. Um, so, uh, so you know, I think their their sales focus is going to be is less about getting more money from existing customers and more about getting new customers and new workloads on a on a go forward basis for AWS. Um, I do want to say you add up the numbers for AWS and it's an eighty eight billion dollar a year business. That's the run rate right now. Um, and they make about 25% gross margin on that business. So that, that $88 billion business is spinning off $21 billion a year in profit. And everyone always talks about how AWS is by far the most profitable business at Amazon. So keep that $21 billion number in the back of your head because the next segment, um, that Amazon talked about is ads. Um, and while AWS is growing at 12%, they announced that the ad business is growing at 22%. Um, so, uh, that, uh, puts the, uh, the ad business at like a 41, $42 billion run rate. Um, and that the speculation is that the ad business is about a 75% gross margin, uh, business. And so it, if uh, they're at a $41 billion run rate, that means they're spinning off $30 billion in profit for the ads business. So $31 billion in earned income from ads versus $22 billion in uh, or $21 billion in profit from AWS. So uh, quit talking about AWS being the most profitable business at Amazon. Ads is the most cro- profitable business and is growing 
almost twice as fast. Um, and there's another of my favorite facts about the ad business is, you know, so again, they're selling $44 billion worth of ads. Um, do you know where they get all the eyeballs uh, that they, they have to sell those ads? They uh. buy them from Google for $20 billion. <laughs> so, so here's like an awesome business. The Amazon's one of the largest advertisers in the world. They spend twenty billion dollars. I'm sorry, twenty-two billion dollars on ads to get people to come to all their services and consume them for profit. Right. So, so you you run ads and you get people to buy stuff on Amazon. You run ads and you get people to sign up for AWS. You run ads and you get people to sign up for Amazon Prime. Those ads do all this heavy lifting for all these different business units. And then after you've monetized that. Uh, that ad dollar, you then sell that ad dollar back for a profit through this ad business. Um, so you want to talk about the network effect and how powerful it is. Um, this to me is just an, an awesome example of business engineering. Um, and, you know, I think uh, often misunderstood uh, aspect of the Amazon profit machine. Yeah, it's a pretty amazing quarter for ads. The They're just really trounce. Snap used to be in the conversation and Twitter, and it's really just Facebook, Google, and Amazon. At this I mean, Amazon's a much bigger ad business than Microsoft, than Bing. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, another tidbit from the call. We had talked about this, and if you remember, we had um, we had a guest on from Guardian Baseball, and he was talking about um, – this was right when Buy With Prime came out, and you were super skeptical that anyone would ad- uh, adopt it. I don't know if yeah, you remember And what should you do anytime I'm skeptical about a new idea? Uh, go long on it. Go, Invest in yeah, it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, first of all, I saw a tweet earlier, and this is from uh, everyone's favorite follow, Bearded Egg FBA. Uh, and a couple other people had similar tweets, but he actually had used the the software that, that scrapes all these websites. Uh, and he reported there's over 2,200 sites that now have Buy With Prime. Uh, and in Jassy's comments, he said, quote, Merchants in early trials who use Buy With Prime saw their shopper conversion increase 25% on average, which makes a real difference in their business. Merchants who participated in Prime Day activities experienced 10x increase in daily Buy With Prime orders. So there was this knock-on effect that if you had Buy With Prime on your website, then people found you uh, and and rattled over and, and you saw a really nice kind of ripple effect from the Prime Day efforts. Uh, I thought that was an interesting tidbit. So they're like, like everything Amazon, and I haven't followed the features, but I'm sure uh, if you remember, um, Matt was complaining that you couldn't turn it on and off for certain SKUs. There was some feedback he had, uh, and maybe it didn't work with attributes like a parent child skews. Uh, I'm sure they fix a lot of that or else it wouldn't be on this many websites. So it sounds like that's really getting some, some traction. Yeah, I do. I still think um, to slightly rebut my, my uh, or double down on my earlier skepticism, uh, there still are some rough edges to the customer experience, right? So it still is a, a per skew experience, um, which is a little weird. Like, you know, some products on the, on the, um, on a website you can get fast shipping for and some some products you can't and it's hard to know what they are until you put them in your cart so that's kind of the 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 old uh, shop runner um flaw if you will um but i, I do want to say two things both amazon and shopify are leaning into these 
conversion rates way better when you have uh, buy with prime on your website or when you have shop pay on your website. And, you know, you have to ask yourself what they're comparing that to, right? Because it, it should surprise no one that conversion rate when the customer has stored payment information available is much higher than when they don't have stored payment information. So the magic question is, if you already had shop pay and uh, PayPal on your site, and then you added buy with prime, did buy with prime perform 25% better than PayPal? Um, or are they only saying buy with prime perfor- uh, performs better than nothing? Because uh, performing better than nothing isn't quite as impressive in my book. Um, and I do want to say, well, while they are making progress with buy with prime and the, the 2,500, uh, merchants is impressive. Uh, just a reminder, there's 2.5 million, uh, uh, merchants on Amazon. So the fact that 2,500 of them are using it, you know, does not exactly mean it's caught fire yet. Got it. So still skeptical. Yes. So again, what should you do? <laughs> go, short, double short down Amazon. on the go long. <laughs> Jason, you short Amazon. I'll go long. Yeah. That you doesn't buy seem... prime is uh, not going to work thesis and I'll go. Yes. Uh, I don't, I don't think you're, um, giving me helpful investment advice. <laughs> uh, so cool. that then... was all the, the main stuff I saw in the earnings calls. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? Cause I think there is a few other tidbits of Amazon news. I saw grocery and I had a feeling that your ears were perked up. I, I fell asleep during that part. So oh kick my it over God. to you. Do you not eat? I do, but the groceries is it's everyone's least favorite chore. Scott doesn't want to say it, but he has people that get his groceries for him. That's what's going on here. He hasn't been to a grocery store in like 10 years. Um, every, every meal is from Chick-fil-A, so I don't have to go to the grocery store. <laughs> um, that seems like it would be a, pretty fun for a little while, but I'm, I have a feeling that the, the, that would wear off. Um, so, yes, Scott, you are right. I'm super interested in grocery. Grocery is 25% of all retail spending. It's the biggest category of spending that Amazon hasn't won. I think it was about 40 years ago that they acquired Whole Foods. Do I have that right? Was it 40 years ago? Uh, 40? No. I'm, I'm exaggerating. It was over 10 <laughs> years ago now, though, um, that uh, that they bought Whole Foods. Uh, and Whole Foods is kind of flat since they acquired them. It really hasn't you know, turned in anything. Uh, a reminder, Whole Foods is very niche in the grocery space. Like Whole Foods doesn't sell Coke. They don't sell Fritos. Um, and they're only in a handful of big cities. Um, so they're the, the industry leader in organic produce. Um, but they're not a mainstream grocer. Um, and one of the things, uh, so, so Amazon made a bunch of announcements that they were, uh, retooling their grocery experience and changing some of their offerings, uh, two days before the earnings call. And I'll come back to what those announcements were. But on the earnings call, uh, Andy answered some questions about grocery, and he kind of admitted something interesting. Um, Amazon is doing very well at what Amazon usually calls everyday essentials. Um, and uh, I, I think that uh, Brian, the CFO, called it uh, non-climate controlled goods, right? So all these shelf-stable things that you tend to buy from a grocery store but you don't actually eat um, – Amazon's pretty good at selling and growing fast, and they have a, a big chunk of that business. Uh, they are not good at selling perishables. They're not good at selling climate-controlled stuff. They're not good at selling fresh food online. Um, and what Andy said in answer to one of the analyst questions was, to really meaningfully capture share in grocery, you have to 
have a, a broad offering in all the areas of grocery, not just the everyday essentials. And we don't believe you can win uh, with a broad assortment of groceries without a national footprint of stores. So, you know, he kind of conceded that the the fulfillment center model and the the multi-tiered um, uh, regional uh, warehouse model that, that Amazon is building out um, is not particularly well suited uh, for the grocery mix. And so he said, so, you know, we need to figure out a grocery concept. And we kind of concluded what we've rolled out over the last few years at Amazon Fresh is not a winning grocery concept. So we put we put a hold on growth. Um, we went back to the drawing board. We invented a bunch of new experiences. And now we're testing those new experiences to see if they are more appealing to consumers. So the first market to get these new experiences is Chicago. So uh, they just remodeled the, the Amazon Fresh stores here in Chicago. I'm going to go visit one soon. Um, but they've essentially they've changed the assortment quite a bit. They've added more private label and they've added more national brands. Um, for a grocery store, Amazon Fresh stores were really kind of a limited assortment grocery store. And so it sounds like they're moving. They didn't say numbers, but in my mind, uh, they were like a 12,000 SKU grocer and Kroger is like a 20,000 SKU grocer. So they're, they're, it sounds like they're moving up to that 20,000 SKUs. Um, and, uh, they're, they're testing a bunch of new amenities. Um, and one of the big problems uh, you have in grocery, especially, uh, when consumers are being really cost conscious is consumers walk into a grocery store with a budget and they want to make sure they don't overspend that budget. And just walk out grocery stores. You actually don't find out how much you spent until 15 minutes after you've left the store, which is an awful experience if you're trying to make sure you stay under a hundred dollars. Um, and so, uh, one of the amenities they've rolled out is on these dash carts, these digital carts that they let you use in the store. They, they now have a real time running total of what's in your cart. So for the first time, you can see, you know, how much you've spent. So there's a bunch of experiences like that. I'll, I'll get a better feel for what, what the new ones are, um, when I go visit, but, uh, they're, they're starting to pilot new grocery concepts and they're, uh, you know, they, they've kind of conceded that they need to scale one of these brick and mortar concepts nationally before they can really be a, uh, a meaningful winner in the, the digital grocery space. Um, but they made a couple other big changes in grocery too. Uh, one of the biggest complaints and one of the stupidest things about Amazon's grocery is before you shop for groceries at Amazon, you need to get an org chart and understand how Amazon's organized because you have to decide in advance if you're shopping online at Whole Foods or Amazon Fresh. And guess what? Most customers don't understand the distinction between those two things. Um, and so they had separate carts. You actually have three carts on the Amazon website. You have a general merchandising cart, a gross uh, Amazon Fresh cart, and a Whole Foods cart. And it can be really confusing because you just click add to cart on a bunch of stuff. And then you go look at your cart and it's not there because it's in one of the other carts. Um, so they announced that they're moving to a universal cart. Um, I haven't seen it yet, so I can't speak to exactly what it looks like. I have a feeling they mean a universal grocery cart. I don't think they're actually going to mix it in with general merchandise, but, but, uh, we'll be e eager to see that. And then, uh, the other announcement they made that is, I'm not, I mean, I just don't think it's as big a deal is, um, they have opened up grocery delivery from Amazon Fresh to non-prime members. So, so prior to this week, you had to be a prompt Amazon Prime member to order from, from uh, Amazon Fresh. 
And this is kind of interesting because this is a further erosion of Amazon Prime benefits. You used to get free delivery um, with Amazon Prime for groceries. And uh, about a year ago, Amazon caved to try to get more profit. And they added a delivery fee, even if you're a Prime member. But they said you can only get delivery of your Prime member. Now they're, they're taking that benefit off the scale. And I, I just point that out because Amazon's ordinarily so good at adding new benefits to Prime. It's kind of rare to see them taking benefits away from Prime. So I, I, I think that's interesting in the, the grocery space. Um, anything else that I missed or that jumped out at you about grocery, Scott? No, I thought it was, you know, a lot of people would expect them to throw in the towel because they've closed some of these physical store experiments and Jassy did that, but they, they still seem committed to, to grocery, at least, um, the four star or what was that star? Yeah. Five star, five star. Uh, that is, they've closed all those, right? Yeah. And then, yeah. They're trimming back the just walk out stores, um, so it's interesting to see that they're they, you know, they see yeah. something in grocery or it's just such a big tam they feel like they have to. Obviously, they have Whole Foods, but yeah, I do think it's it's one of one of their big bets, and it it was interesting. Like in some of the narrative, Andy kind of he he threw some of the grocery teams under the bus. Um, uh, you know, like a lot of his complaints about the Amazon Fresh stores is he's like we just weren't good grocery operators that like. Uh, our, our, um, our inputs, as he called it, just weren't, weren't good. Like the, the inventory turns, the, the, um, uh, you know, the inventory waste, uh, the labor costs that, you know, all those things weren't where they needed to be to be a competitive grocery store. Um, and there's, I'm sure a lot of traditional grocers that were listening to this call going, Amen, Andy, we told you groceries are really brutal difficult cutthroat business and you won't find it as easy as some of the other businesses you've dominated. So I still wouldn't bet against Amazon. I, I still think they're ultimately going to be a big player in grocery, but um, I, I think they're, they're discovering what a lot of traditional grocers have been telling them for a while that it, it that's a difficult business. Yeah. Um, and then one other uh, to me really interesting uh, tidbit is uh, healthcare. That uh, Amazon announced last week a new national um, healthcare offering, which is a telemedicine um, service and uh, uh, that's attached to Amazon Pharmacy. Um, so this used to be an in-house experiment that they they used to provide health benefits to a bunch of Amazon employees. Um, but the, uh, and then they started offering it to, you know, a few um, other employers that they they had healthcare agreements with. Um, but now they've made it a national offering that's available to everyone. So, you know, if you if you need some a prescription or you need um, some some medical advice and you don't want to go in and see a doctor, or you can't get an appointment. Um, you can, you know, now use this Amazon health service uh, to get a, a fast and easy um, uh, healthcare visit. So, uh, you know, we know Amazon has been kind of kicking the tires on, on the healthcare industry and they've, they've had a couple initiatives. They had some partnerships that they walked away from. Um, but this is another one where it seems like they haven't given up on the space and they're still, you know, rolling out and trying new things. Yeah. And, uh, I hope they nail this because my, uh, my experience with the physical drugstore is always terrible. Yeah, I am not bullish on physical drugstores. Um, so again, uh, you, you know, uh, loyal listeners now know what they should do for the investment there, but like, uh, it, 
you know, the drug business used to be a retail business. You walked into a pharmacy and you got all your prescriptions. Today, the insurance companies mostly try to force you to use mail order pharmacy. So the main reason people had to go to pharmacies has kind of gone away. Um, and as a retailer, if you don't have to go there to get a, phar- a, a prescription filled, um, the retail drug stores are awful retailers. Like they, uh, you know, they don't have a good assortment. Um, they don't have a good price. Um, they're, they're deficient in digital. Um, and, and if you watch all the moves they're making, um, the thing that every retail drugstore is trying to do more than anything else is get out of retail and become a healthcare company and own an insurance company. Um, so, you know, a lot of the CEOs of these companies now come from the insurance sides of the business and it, it just doesn't seem like the long-term future of, of U.S. retail is to have, you know, multiple big national drugstores because the model is kind of waning. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I'll shed a small tear when they all go out of business and I can get things yeah. more efficiently. Yeah. I think at least one's going to have to survive because there there are a lot of impromptu emergency, get it right yeah. now kind of, kind of needs. Um but, uh, you know, uh, maybe down the road we'll do a grocery and pharmacy deep dive. Or Amazon will have things so close to you, you can get it in 15 minutes. So you won't miss it. Yeah. You know, one thing I will say, like, I thought you were going to say, I won't feel bad if Amazon solves this because healthcare in America is royally screwed up. And a lot of people, you know, don't have and can't afford access to it. So uh, certainly it would be good if they fix that. I will say Amazon rolled out a service similar to a Walmart service, which is really beneficial. Um they're now offering generic versions of most chronic prescriptions for a flat $5 fee. And so uh, yeah. one one thing that has approved a lot in the United States in the last two years between Walmart and Amazon and actually like a big startup that Mark Cuban is running is a lot of these, um, you know, prescriptions that were out of reach for a lot of um, low income people are are becoming more affordable, which is certainly a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. We'll take care of them. But I need my experience to be better, too. Yeah. See how I found a a way to end the show on a happy note. Yeah. World peace. Uh, Yeah. And that, you know, last week we had a slightly shorter show and listeners told us they loved getting a little bit less of us. Um, And so miraculously, we we have done it again. Uh, We brought in a voluminous Amazon earnings call uh, in a pithy uh, 41 minutes. Um, So if you'd like to reward us for our brevity, the best way to do that would be to jump on iTunes and give us that five star review. Thanks, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this Amazon Q2 earnings results. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott Show. For all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing, subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 